scripture reading for today is from Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes his honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Uh, why don't we turn to one another and bless, say hello, wave. It's been a while for some of you who haven't been here for 2022. And please feel free to be seated. It is wonderful to see uh, some of the returning faces uh, since we open grade six and up. Uh, some of the parents of our teenagers, uh, you're here for the first time this year. And after a month, we'll be opening up for kindergarten, Sunday school, and junior high. So looking forward to uh, seeing or having back up congregation members who have younger uh, children as well. And God bless those who are uh, also joining through online. I hope and pray that you'll be able to fix your eyes and worship our Lord Jesus Christ in spirit and truth wherever you are. Uh, so for Korean ministry, we've been going through missions conference since Thursday. Uh, so every evening we gather together to really come back to the heart of mission and the purpose of the church. And today as a Sunday, we're wrapping up uh, the conference. And I wanted to uh, relay uh, the same message to our New Hope because we are going through uh, Book of Hebrews together, running the race together. So today's message title is called Running for the Sake of the Gospel. The body of Jesus Christ is called to run the race of preaching, proclaiming uh, the gospel to all nations. Now, sometimes we are running, uh, but we don't know why we're running and where and where we are running to. So many of us, we are weary and tired. We feel like we're exhausted, fatigued, drained, um, because we've been running in our everyday life. Uh, maybe those of you who've been working from home, you've been running, uh, but you've been so busy. Uh, some of the parents, you've been running, raising your children, but sometimes it is so easy for us to forget why we're running. Now, Paul challenges his readers in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 23 to 25. 
I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wrath, we an imperishable. So what Paul is highlighting here is that not only one person receiving prize, uh, that's not his point, but uh, his main point is that not everyone running the race, not necessarily running uh, for the right purpose, and they will not be eternal reward. So we have to be reminded again and again why we are running in this race, why we are studying, why we are working, why we are coming out to church to worship our Lord Jesus Christ, why we are giving, why we are serving one another. And the church of Jesus Christ is a community that who are saved by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only that, but to proclaim that eternal salvation to one another and to nations. And that is the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a core message, not only for missions, but today's passage as, as well. Because today's passage is based on this source of eternal salvation. In verse 9, the source of eternal salvation. So that our Jesus Christ is a source of eternal salvation. And he is the Lord over our lives and who deserves our lives. And he's the one actually calling every single one of us to live missional life. So this missional life is not about doing campaign. It's not about doing program or missions doing program. And as we are reminded again and again, the book of Hebrews, and the book of Hebrews was written for brothers and sisters who've been struggling, being shaken through persecution, hardship, difficulties, and how do we encourage those who are being shaken, who are struggling? Not only 2,000 years ago, but even past two and a half years, many of our congregation members and many brothers and sisters who've been struggling due to pandemic or even uncertainty in the future. So Pastor Charles has been reminded again last couple of weeks that this book of Hebrew was like pastoral counseling letter. And how do you do counseling? And there are two very important approaches. Number one is to encourage, right? Do not give up. God loves you. Hang in there. There has to be meaning. There has to be purpose. God still loves you. And that's one part of counseling. But Book of Hebrews not only encouraging them and say, do not give up, but also encouraging by challenging. Don't forget who you are. That you have greater purpose than your own individual life. That God's purpose is bigger than who you are. So we need both. Just like the word of the Lord has double-edged sword, right? 
Pastor Charles talked about comforting those who are afflicted, but also really challenging people who are comfortable. Same thing in pastoral counseling in this letter. Come on, do not give up. God loves you. But on the other, wake up. You have a greater purpose. There's a calling of God. So he reminds us three very important things. Number one, the essence of the gospel. Number two, the identity of church community. And number three, the calling of the church community and brothers and sisters, the saints of Jesus Christ. So number one, it begins with the essence of the church or essence of the gospel. Today's passage begins with Jesus being the high priest. And during the time, the Old Testament, the qualification of high priest is the one who is amongst the people. People who are appointed as a representative of the people so that he will know what the people or community, Israelites, have been through. So that out of the weakness, the vulnerability, that he will be able to go and mediate between God and Israelites. In verse 1, For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. And notice here that Jesus came as the high priest. What does it mean that he lived the life that we live? He was incarnated Messiah, the Son of God. So he came to be in the midst of the mankind or humankind, and he's understanding the struggles and weakness and the vulnerability of men and women brothers and sisters, and out of that, he will be able to offer sacrifices and intercede on behalf of all of us. But in the past, in the Old Testament, the high priest offered the forgiveness and the worship that was temporary because every year they had to repeat again and again because you and I, we are vulnerable and we are imperfect beings. But Jesus came as a high priest. That what he offered was something permanent, something eternal. Jesus came to fulfill and accomplish eternal salvation as a high priest. So how is it relevant with missions or mission of life? It's the fact that the gospel and holiness and righteousness of God has came down to us. And that is the difference between other religions and Christianity. David Platt, in his book, Radical, when he went for missions field and tried to share the gospel, and there are so many other religions that say, well, like, why don't you just leave us alone? Don't all the religions at least you know, lead to the same thing eventually, ultimately? You go through a different path, and yet if you approach the top of the mountain, you know, don't you all 
still somehow get there? Why do you try to convert like other religions into Christianity? We're going different routes, but yet somehow we'll end up the top of the mountain as a final destination. And David Platt challenges, you know what? And that's how you believe. That you have to try hard to climb up. You have to try so hard through your own holiness and righteousness and religious authority to get there to the top of the mountain. But Christianity, the God that we believe, that God has came down to us. That holiness has come down to us and he made us holy and righteous. And that is the unique calling of the gospel. And that is a part of incarnational ministry. So, brothers and sisters, the essence of the gospel that you and I believe, the essence of the gospel that we live our lives for is incarnational DNA in its core being. And incarnational DNA is missional in its being. And when we say missional, it's not just about going overseas, but from where the gospel is saturated, that we go out and expand and sprout so that we no longer being inward and imploding, but we become outward and we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christopher Wright said, when church is not missional, it is no longer church. Brothers and sisters, let me apply that into our individual journey and faith. If Christian is not missional, it is not Christian. Because Christ himself is incarnational, missional. Our God is a missionary God. That's why he sent Jesus Christ. He was a missionary. Sending his son. That Jesus was a missionary, the son of God. And very creation purpose in the beginning of the book of Genesis, go and rule, meaning being missional, proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that was the reason why you and I were created. That was the reason why God sent his only son, Jesus Christ. That was the reason why God established and brought Ecclesia, the church, the called out ones, to preach the gospel for a missional purpose. So we eat, drink, we live and breathe this missional, incarnational DNA in its core. That is the essence of the church and why we exist. And that is the essence of our faith, why we believe. Missions is not an option. And even to our Christian lives. Missions or reaching out to other people is not an option when we have leftover time or financial resources. And that is a very being of who we are, and that's how we are wired. That's how we are designed in the image of God. But the reason why many of us we feel restless, we have luxury of life, we enjoy technology, fancy LED screen. And we have everything we want, whether it's online or in person, and yet our children, young people, even parents, the reason why we feel empty, and there is a void, we feel restless, try to fill it with everything that we have, and yet when we are not outward, this inward focus, we end up rotting in our soul. 
Think about many families. Think about many young people. Think about many churches today that imploding because they've been inward focused so much. What about for me? What does church have something for me? What does gospel have to for me? And so we've been focusing so much for ourselves. Yes, there are times that we need to take care of ourselves. Right? I'm not saying being inward focused is always bad. But inward without outward, losing balance, have no direction. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Here, God's own possession was also translated in some other books as peculiar people. You are peculiar people. You are unique being. In the image of God, you are special, you are different. So that as we raise our education, as we raise our children, we are not raising or discipling our children to be like the world so that they can compete better. No. We challenge them and we remind them that you are different. You are unique. You are peculiar as a child of God. So that you are not competing, but you are being unique. And as people see you, they see marvelous light, the uniqueness of God. But even including myself, many parents, we try to equip our children up to high school, like, you know what, you need to be like the world. You need to be better than the world. You need to compete. You need to do better. And when they go to university, when they get jobs, they get lost. But maybe it is time for us to say, you know what, you are peculiar. God's possession. So that they will be able to go out to, whether it's community, politics, mainstream, wherever they're called, even their school and their friendship, with that mindset. So that they will be able to have a clear purpose out of this incarnational essence of the gospel. And then you and I need to be reminded again of why we run the race out of this missional purpose. You know, being in a very mission-oriented or mission-focused church, I had the privilege of you know, sending our children to missions when they were young, or right? Sunday school. And one of the first benefits of sending your kids to missions is this. After two weeks of not being able to take a shower, starve, immediately when they come back, they are so thankful. Man, this is so good. You know? We were spoiled. But that is not the reason why we're sending our kids, right? To suffer so that they will come and be thankful to parents and in church. But as you continually send them, they come back eventually and saying, they begin to see the world. They begin to have the heart of God. They begin to see that this is not everything. Begin to have a grand picture. 
I remember some of the kids coming back from Cambodia, spending time sharing the gospel to those who are same age and yet who have like age, HIV. Need more of the love of Jesus Christ. The kids who go to Vancouver and Hastings and people who are broken. Even though our younger children are like maybe still growing, they begin to sense something. There is a deeper, there is a bigger picture here. And that is the essence of our Christian community and our family, the purpose why we exist as a church. And yet many of us, somehow we turn this missional, incarnational DNA into religion, system, or somehow that we manage or maintain what we have earned or achieved. So Hebrews, the author is reminding I know it's hard, but you need to be reminded the essence of the gospel. Number two, the identity we find through the lordship of the church. And now all of a sudden it gets more complicated. The author is talking about Melchizedek and those who have the Bible study, uh, who heard the messages from the book of Hebrews, Maybe you heard this, you know, Melchizedek priest, or Abraham, book of Genesis, encounter, and he worships. And I'm not going to go in depth of who this Melchizedek is. The bottom line, the Melchizedek was a foreshadow of the Jesus. But here, the Hebrews talking about that Jesus Christ came from not the lineage of Aaron, the high priest, but Melchizedek. What does it mean? It's so confusing, right? Basically what it is is this. Aaron was appointed by God to intercede and to be a mediator between God and Israel. But Melchizedek, the Bible talks about as a foreshadow, and yet no one knows where he was from. And yet Abraham recognized that he was from God, so Abraham worshipped Melchizedek. So what the author in this passage is highlighting is that the Jesus is the high priest after the order of Melchizedek who deserves our worship, who has the lordship, who has the master of everything. Psalm 110 verse 4, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek meaning who deserve our worship, who deserve everything of our lives. And here, worship is not just our Sunday worship, hour and a half. Okay, he's worth of our hour and a half, but worship of our entire life. He is the Lord. He is the master of everything. As we heard many, many times, right, John Piper saying, the mission exists because there is no worship. So we do missions because there is no worship, but we know that all nations were created to worship our Father. And there is no worship, we go out and to do missions. And this God, a missionary God, is the owner, is the Lord over church. 
And this missionary God is the Lord and owner of your family, of your future. But what happened was that over the many years, somehow this lordship has been shifted or switched so that church owns the mission. Family owns the mission. Our career, our business owns mission, meaning we take control. But that has to change. Church is not the Lord over mission. Church does not manage missions. But mission of God manage, owns church. Brothers and sisters, the mission of God owns your life. You don't own God, but God owns your life. Meaning, you have to make adjustment according to God's mission. And this is a true story. What happened in 1996 in Newfoundland? The second second powerful battleship of the United States was crossing the borderline in Newfoundland. And from far, and yet through the radar, Caught, there was an object. And the battleship sends this message to this object. In order to avoid the conflict, please remove, please move yourself or turn 15 degrees to north. Please respond over. A Canadian responded. In order to avoid the conflict, please turn yourself to the south 15 degree. U.S. battleship said, I am the captain of United Marine. I repeat, please turn your direction north 15 degree. Canadian replied, no, we cannot. Please make turn. U.S. battleship said, this is a Lincoln battleship. If you do not turn, we may need to take extreme measure. Please respond. The Canadians said, this is a lighthouse. Please turn in order to avoid the conflict. And yet, many of us, we think that, okay, we have our lives and You know, we have figured things out. Then we are the center of our direction. We demand everything else to be in line according to our purpose. So we try to manage the purpose of God. But the author of Hebrews is saying, in, in order to really fix your life, you don't fix God. You don't fix what God would do for your life. No, you fix yourself in line with the purpose of God. I wonder many of us, we try to 
somehow improve our lives or to feel better or to fix problems, to fix our children, to fix our marriage, to fix our church, whatever. We try to demand God to do something catering around our needs. And I wonder, maybe we've been doing the other way around. Maybe we need to make adjustments. Brothers and sisters, who is the Lord of your life? Who is the Lord of our church? Senior pastor or session or leaders are not the owner of the church. Or congregation members who are giving, you are not the owner. But our Lord Jesus Christ, who has called us for mission or purpose and sending us out, he is the Lord and he is the owner, master of everything then it is the same, that you as a family, you are a church. Last point is to remind again the calling of the church in verse 4. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. Meaning it's this, you know, salvation never can be achieved by our own these righteousness and holiness. That you and I, the reason why we receive salvation is not because we're qualified, but it's despite of our imperfection, our sin, brokenness, shortcomings, weakness, that he has chosen us. He has elected us. And yet it is very interesting because in this passage, God is saying in verse 5, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Today I have begotten Jesus. Okay, wait a minute. Oh, okay. We have to be very careful here because, okay, does it mean that Jesus was not there in the beginning? That Jesus was... Son of Triunga, who was there from very beginning with God the Father, God the Spirit, but begotten Jesus? What does it mean? And another problem of this passage is like, okay, Father is begotten the Son, like, because normally you would think the mother should begotten. Right? Having this child, but yet Father is, has begotten the Son. The purpose of this verse is this. You know, when mother is having a child, there's a tremendous pain. And mother would never, ever forget a child having begotten out of tremendous pain. And for that much our Father went through a tremendous pain of sending His own Son, Jesus Christ, and letting die on the cross. And that is a pain that is complete or had to carry through in order to bring salvation to all of us. And that pain is like mother is going through a pain of having a child.
And this pain that God is inviting every single one of us or even church of Jesus Christ to partake so that we go and preach the gospel so that we go through pain, yes, and sacrifice and yet out of that there's a fruit of eternal life of people coming to know Jesus Christ. And yet the story of God's eternal life never fail. That God is saying that he will execute and he will fulfill through his son Jesus Christ. And that was the calling of his son in John chapter 6 verse 39. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me but raise it up on the last day. So brothers and sisters, the reason why we are able to get back, the reason why we do not give up, not is like some kind of like, come on, you can do it, a little bit more, and just hang in there. It's not that kind of encouragement, but you know what? God is going to complete his promise. That's why we get back, and God's mission never fails, not even one single soul who are chosen by God, will be saved by God. Brothers and sisters, maybe some of the parents, maybe you are mourning and concerning of maybe one of your children who have lost the way, who is wondering And I know that it's never easy. But the promise of God is that if he or she is the child of God, that God in his, his timing will restore or bring him back in his relationship with your child. Because God's salvation never fails. Or some of you say, well, okay, like, Pastor Jason, you're just giving this Calvinistic, you know, it's like a message, okay, predestination, and okay, then maybe we don't need to do missions, right? God is going to elect and save and everyone, you know what, but God is inviting all of us to take partnership so that in this pain, we labor together. God will carry, and yet he's still inviting us to be in this journey of praying, preaching, and living out. And there is a partnership, and there is a joy of laboring, and there is a joy and testimony of eventually, somehow, that we bear spiritual fruit of eternal salvation. So, brothers and sisters, as we wrap up today's message, we are running the race in this uncertain era. It is easy for us to get swayed and lost our way. But the best way is to come back to original calling, the essence. We're living in this fast changing the world 
And when we try to see with our own lenses, we get lost. We get swept away. If we try to see from the perspective of this world that is fast changing, you know what? Everything becomes so relevant. But as we come back to the essence that is unchanging, the gospel, our Lord Jesus Christ, and the, the word of the Lord, we are able to discern and we begin to see the path that you and I need to focus on. Yes, it is a pandemic. We're going through difficulties and challenges. But if you look at churches in the past and history, early church and Reformation, you name it, they've been through worse and they even had no vaccine. A church of Jesus Christ holding on to the essence and original calling never lost the battle because our God is the master and the owner of history and we are in line and we follow him, then you know what? It will be hard. Yes, we go through pain. Just like a mother is going through pain of having children. And yet there is a fruit of God's salvation. So let me end with this. Holding on to the essence is the key to run the proper course in the midst of confusion. Let's pray together. Brothers and sisters, as we spend some time praying before the Lord, maybe some of the struggles in feeling restlessness and not really having this full satisfaction or contentment in our soul even though we have everything or somehow we have better than before is not necessarily that we need to have more or we need to figure out and take care of everything perfectly yes there are times that we need to take care in work but maybe this big part of this essence of gospel living the gospel incarnational like maybe it's not necessary even going overseas like missions by taking airplane during the season but even like asking you know people next to you like rather than just so fixated on your own issue all the time but turn to other people hey how are you doing rather than praying and fix it in our, our issues or prayer topic there are times that we may need to turn to one another and say how can I pray for you maybe those of us who are so frustrated and concerned and fearful and anxious about future because you feel like you have less option than other people? Maybe asking this question to God, Lord, why am I running so hard? For what sake? Who is the Lord over my life? 
Who is the Lord over my children? My career. Just like a U.S. battleship, you know, we demand God to change the course, but rather than we change the course of our lives. Let's come back before the Lord today. And I think that's one of the best ways for us to really get back, right? There are times that we need to encourage, yes, God loves you. Don't give up. Cheer. Pray. At the same time, that is not enough. We need to be challenged. Come back to the essence. Reminded of who we are and respond to God's call again. And partake and journey and run with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just like you had pain, of sending your son, Jesus Christ, and to die on the cross to bring eternal salvation. That you are calling every single one of us to really understand the essence of incarnational, missional DNA, and that is the DNA of the gospel. And that for too long or for this season, we have forgotten. And we've been focusing so much on our own, not being able to see bigger picture and the purpose of our lives. That you are not speaking just to a church, but family as a church, individual, our spiritual journey. And Father, May your spirit convict, stir, and sharpen the focus of our living in our running the race in its proper course. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.